Well, hey, friend, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Because that is the story of us, even here, even in this good yet fallen world, where things can be hard and holy. They can be heartbreaking and beautiful, often at the very same time. And so as we move into the Christmas season, there is so much joy to be found. But for those, and maybe for you, who can't fully escape what's difficult or broken or painful or devastating, there's also a place at this table for you. Well, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which highlights a true story of hope, even on the darkest of days. And I also have a super amazing co-host back with me, my good friend, Amy Groeschel. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word, literally in our back pockets for free wherever we go. In fact, there are so many fantastic YouVersion Bible plans on Advent, so we're going to link a few of those up in the conversation notes if you happen to be interested. Well, you know those incredible stories that can be wrapped with a gorgeous bow and placed gently under the Christmas tree. Well, this is not one of those stories, and it's actually not the world we live in. But my guess is I don't have to tell you that. Maybe even at this moment, someone you love is sick. Maybe it's just that your expectations for whatever the thing is have been crushed by reality. Maybe you actually love the holidays, but this year you're dreading the holidays because of a complicated relationship or an empty chair at your table. Well, there is still good news. It's from Psalm 34:18, and it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And if you are brokenhearted today, our guest today will help you know that you are not alone. Grace Whitna has lived through a parent's worst nightmare twice. Just when she thought she was starting to heal from grief, another wave of tragedy came washing in. And yet, she's still here. She's still showing up. After grieving and wrestling and suffering more than most, Grace is still clinging to the presence of God. Grace is still sharing what He's taught her in the shadows. And so, just a heads up, especially for little ears, while there is some mature and potentially triggering content in today's episode, there is also plenty of hope. As the popular Christmas song says, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Y'all, this is exactly why Jesus came and why we are so very desperate for Him. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Amy and me for a chat with Grace. Well, Grace, it's such an honor to have you. And so welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Appreciate the privilege. Grace, you've always been just a joy to me when I happen to run into you at different things. And I know a bit of your story. My mom is closer to you and fills me in, but I know that God hasn't wasted any of it. And so Mm -hmm. I just can't wait for this episode of how faithful God has been through your great storms. Would you tell us just a little bit about who Grace Whitna is? <laughs> My name is Grace Whitna. I grew up in California. I've lived here in Oklahoma for 40 years, been married for 36 of those 40 years, <laughs> and have five children. They are all adults, and my 
44-year-old daughter just got married. Wow. Her first Congrats. marriage. Wow. Husband was her first, his first marriage. She's been in New York for quite a while. Mm. And she started out there pursuing opera and ended up, after things that happened here in our family, um, working with children who have struggled with trauma. Mm. And so she went back and got her third master's to do all that. That's but, great. And then I have two sons here and five grandchildren, my Aww, babies. The grands. The youngest is five months. And the oldest is nine. Mm. And they are such a joy. They are. I've got five grands. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say from the beginning, I'm so blessed that I grew up in a rich Christian heritage. We were the family that was at the church. You know, they say we were there anytime the doors were open. Well, we were there when the doors were locked because <laughs> my mom and dad had a key because they <laughs> did everything at the church and mm -hmm. very involved. And so I grew up there with our life centered around Christ. And one of my earliest memories of being in kindergarten, that's how young I was, crying out to Jesus to get me home because I was lost. <laughs> and I just, one of my earliest memories is just saying, Jesus, I don't know how to get home. I don't know how to, where to go. Mm. And just crying out to him and, okay, I'll just turn this way. And then I got to where I had to turn again, one way or the other. Which way do I turn? Okay, I turn this way. And anyway, from early, early on, mm. I remember loving and trusting mm. Jesus. And, um, so um, there were a lot of bumps in the road living in Southern California in the 70s. I did wander at some points. Uh, there was some rebellion and some different things that happened. I ended up divorced as a, a single parent. And I came to Oklahoma City for a three-week detox and ended up staying three years, meeting my husband mm -hmm. during that time and ended up being delivered of all of that and learning to walk with the Lord. And God just prepared my husband and prepared me for marriage. So we were there together for four years and then we got married and began to have children. My daughter was restored to us, to me. And then we had four sons. Four sons. Life was wild and woolly. Oh, there bet. was like four boys. Four boys. One time there was three under the age of four. So mm. wow. it was crazy. And people would roll their eyes when we, <laughs> but I also had this 13 year old teenager, you know, girl, yeah. that's just a handful too. So, um, we loved our life and the analogy I would give would be, it was like we were pioneers and we were, had this land that we'd finally gotten to. And we were out there, Reed and I were out there, and we were dirty and sweaty and tired, digging out these big stumps, clearing this land for our future generations, for our future heritage. God was our first priority in our marriage, but the rest after that was bringing up a daughter of the Lord and four men of God. And mm -hmm. we just saw their futures and how God would have a plan and a purpose for their futures. We were intercessory prayer pastors, so we had prayed over all of our children. They were bathed in prayer, and we would pray and say, let all your purposes be fulfilled in this child. And, I, you know, mm -hmm. how we sing over them and pray yeah. over them. And so that was our main focus. That was everything. And then, oh, I ended up having, they were all home births. Mm -hmm. And then 
I got pulled into homeschooling and yeah. home educated pulled them. Pulled into it. Well, I say I pulled <laughs> we because <all> <laughs> I wanted to be a precepts teacher or a Bible study teacher. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay, God, so I get to teach kids. my own kids. Yeah. And that wasn't what I had planned, but I'll do it. I know. So I feel like we all say that at one time or another. <laughs> this was not what I had planned. Right. Exactly. Right. But I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And life was beautiful. As they were growing, we had kind of a crazy life, but but it was a very good one. And I'm very thankful as I look back that I home educated them because we don't know how long, how mm-hmm. much time we have. But my children knew me and I knew them, yeah. you know. And so uh, during this time, we had two different situations where we have people had words for us that we weren't expecting and we didn't know these people. And one gentleman called me out of the room full of people and said that God was going to share with me um, people's prayers and their heart. And then I was going to be able to go alongside them. God wanted me to go alongside them, walk alongside them as they tore up their grievances against God. And it was a beautiful word. And I just kind of tucked it away. But to be honest with you, I didn't really have any grievances Mm -hmm. against God Mm -hmm. at that point in my life. Uh, Also, there was a time when a gentleman was saying, you're like oaks, the oaks of righteousness. Your your roots are going to grow deep and you're going to be this big oak tree. And just as you can cut the tree and see the age of the tree through the rings, there will be rings that show the years of drought and show the years of fire, but that God has sustained you and you're going to to grow and your branches will reach out and many people will find shade and rest Mm -hmm. in your branches. Another beautiful word, Mm -hmm. but totally wasn't thinking about the rings or the fire or the Right. Or the drought. I was just wanting the part where people came and found rest. Mm-hmm. So I like that part. <laughs> yeah, that's the part we like. So those were, like I said, 36, 25 years ago. And what ended up happening is as I was home educating my four boys, my daughter had gone off to OCU. Um, one morning, I woke up my eldest son, Levi, and I'll just stop here. I love all my children. We could brag forever on our kids, but I want to talk about two of my five. And my eldest son, Levi, he, he was a bigger than life kid and he was athletic. He was the pitcher or the shortstop when he played baseball. He was a quarterback or the running back. If he played football, he was an artist. He drew beautifully. Um, he was a musician. He played the piano beautifully beyond his years. He wanted to play the original Moonlight Sonata, not the easy one, even mm-hmm. though he was not ready for it, but he was doing it. He played guitar. He was teaching guitar. He sang. And you have to remember, this is back in 2000, long before Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. He was that boy that could dance like Michael Jackson and, <laughs> and Usher. A well-rounded guy. He was an entertainer and he did things well. He did have the few things that he didn't do well, but he excelled a lot. And mostly he loved to entertain and he was very adrenal driven. And so he would ride his BMX bike and um, do all these jumps, but he loved his friends 
and he was popular and people loved him and he was a peacemaker and he would bring kids to church. He said, don't stay in the back. We're going to go down to the front and dance. And <laughs> that was the kind of kid he was. And um, his last sermon that Craig spoke was on heaven. And he and his father had a, a long talk about how when things aren't quite right here, they're not going to be because we live in a sinful world, but, but heaven will be paradise. And um, that week, normally he would either get up early and get his math done. He was very good with math and electronics and spatial intelligence, that kind of stuff. And some mornings he'd sleep in and this morning he slept in. And so I usually would say, get up, get up, Levi, just get up, you know, so I'm get started. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit had me pause at the door and I looked at my 14 year old boy and I thought, oh my gosh, he is growing into a young man. And he was starting to put on muscle and go through puberty. And mm -hmm. I just took that time that day to sit down next to him. And I was kind of rubbing his back. And I woke him up that way. It was just a weird deal. I never did that. And I leaned over to kiss his cheek and I whispered in his ear, it's pretty bad when mamas of 14 year old boys have to sneak sugars because they don't get enough of them or something. And when I did, I felt his heart beating. And there was a commercial going on at that time that said how many times your heart beats in a day, in an hour, in a day throughout your life. It was some hospital commercial and it played so much that that went through my head. And I thought, Lord, you are a heart creator mm. and you are a heart starter mm. and you sustain that heart and keep it beating all the days of our lives. And I was thinking like 80, 90 years, yeah. you know. And immediately I just felt this sweet voice speak in my heart that said, yes, Grace, I am the heart creator. I'm the heart starter. And only I say when a heart stops beating, mm. only I, not science, not medicine, I decide and allow the heart to stop beating. And I was just kind of thinking how fearfully and wonderfully we were made. And I had no idea that about four hours later, I would be pounding on his chest, trying to get that heart to start beating, breathing into his lungs and doing CPR. And um, his brothers had found him. I was out at the grocery store. He had done all his work, all his chores, everything, but something had happened. And he wrote this sweet little note and he took his life. His brothers found him and I came in the door before the emergency firemen got there and they pulled me away from him and they just were not at the hospital able to revive him and he was gone. And the rug was just pulled out from under. Mm -hmm. This was our evangelist. This mm -hmm. was the boy with all the charisma that people loved mm -hmm. and thought everyone said he was my best friend, you know, mm -hmm. and we had never even known anyone. If you think back to 2002, right. that was before that we didn't know of anybody hurting themselves, cutting themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. We never even heard of that. And if if it was on our radar, it was like maybe abusive kids or kids on the street or something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Christian. We'd never yeah. heard of Well-rounded. So we, we, we didn't know to warn him. Unfortunately, the story that people used to go home after the funeral and talk to their kids about suicide. Yeah. And that was what right. I would tell parents. Mm -hmm. 
talk to your kids about this when you talk to them about drugs and sex and drinking and texting mm-hmm. and driving. This was before phones. This was before social media. Mm-hmm. This was before all of that. And his note was very sweet. Um, and how passed, old was he? He was 14. Mm-hmm. And immediately we had people at the hospital and in our home and uh, Pastor Craig He came that night and was sat very quiet. And at the end, when he was leaving, was we were waiting to hear back from the the medical examiner. And he said, in 16 years of speaking for the deceased, I have no answers for you. This this kid, I've examined everything. And he just wasn't in any trouble, you know. Mm -hmm. And but he was hurting and in puberty, the testosterone all of a sudden can drop and bring them into depression. And they Mm -hmm. don't know where in their minds you know, it could last forever. They don't have, they have no idea what it is. And so he, th- he says, that's the, my best guess at mm-hmm. what's happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure everyone listening probably feels like me, like, wait, now what? So, I mean, first of all, it's just heartbreaking. And then also so many questions of, like you said, he seemed well-rounded. He seemed happy. So there were no signs. You mm-hmm. don't, no. We went back and looked. There were no signs. Hmm. In his letter, he, he, um, you could tell that he was upset by the way he wrote it. it he mentioned being sorry for doing it hmm. and that it seemed that he was hurting about something, but we really didn't know what that was. He was kind, saying goodbye to people. It was just one of those things that we just couldn't really figure out. And there was a lot of speculation sure. mm-hmm. running around. And yeah. unfortunately, suicide has a lot of stigma. It's getting a lot better in the last mm-hmm. 20 years about mental illness and suicide. Mm-hmm. But, but he knew time, what he was doing, like it wasn't unintentional. Uh, because of the note, yeah. I, we know it was intentional. And mm-hmm. he was always doing those adrenaline driven things, but mm-hmm. not something where he w- couldn't come out of yeah. it. So, um, his brothers got him down and like I said, they were 12 and 10, just as what had just had his fifth birthday the day before. Mm -hmm. So it just started this very, very dark journey, but getting back to Pastor Craig, the thing that he said that night and later other Bible teachers that I highly esteem said that. One act in someone's life does not define the person's life, Mm -hmm. even if it's their last act. Mm -hmm. And it does not disqualify them from entering heaven. Mm -hmm. That is a man's theology. There is no scriptural basis. And we needed that throughout the years. Comments that have been made to our faces or behind our back or or just in passing. But that's just not um, biblical. Right. That, um, like it's a myth to think that suicide's like the unforgivable sin. It's right. not the unpardonable That's sin. Not yeah. And so clearly this had a huge impact on your whole family and as parents and curious to know how, how does a family get through this? Cause you, you guys clearly have, but it hasn't been an easy road. It's a very, very, very dark road, but the only thing that saw us through was the Holy Spirit, God's word, the Lord bringing our brothers and sisters into our lives to be his hands and feet. Yeah. 
And I mean, the day after, there were like 100 people at our house and Mm -hmm. kids out by making a bonfire and doing worship. I mean, the outpouring was unbelievable. But at some point, things die down and you are left with your questions and God, and they come as just waves of grief. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, I had mothers praying for me in the morning because in the morning I would wake up and I you wouldn't know it had happened and then it would hit you. So it was like being hit every morning with mm. this huge realization. But that night, like I said, God prepared us mm. right off the bat for those questions mm. about his eternity. And we had uh, Romans eight thirty eight and 39 that were persuaded that neither death or life or angels or principalities or powers or things present nor things to come, mm-hmm. height or depth. Any creature can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then we had that like on the bulletin. But then that right before God just flooded my mind with the scripture that I hadn't had memorized, but it came out like I memorized it. But it was that one in John 27, 29. And it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm -hmm. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Mm -hmm. And that just brought such peace to the whole situation of where he was. Yeah. And it was years of why, 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 how could. I remember immediately going out in the backyard with my Bible and I decided I had to re-examine everything that I'd believed my whole life. I mm-hmm. mean, this isn't what God would allow. A sovereign God would mm-hmm. not allow this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, this is where my faith starts. It starts with creation. I don't believe we just, poof, got here, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. We didn't just get here. There is a creator. So I cried out to the skies and said, if there is a creator out there that is listening, Mm -hmm. I want to know you. Do you want to know me? Because I want to know you. Show me who you are. Mm -hmm. And then nothing was happening. So I said, (laughs) okay, this is the Bible. and This is what I've grown up on. And if this isn't you, show me that it's not you. Mm -hmm. Is this you? And I just... I began to re-examine my mm. theology yeah. and, and relook at all that. Mm. Sure. Um, and uh, it took years. I left my life scripture, the Jeremiah 29. I have on a bracelet. I took that bracelet off. It was years before I could put it back on. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, that says, for I know I have plans for you, for your future, for a hope. Mm. That scripture, mm-hmm. I didn't see any hope, but. Finally, I remember being in a Bible study and I had gotten into this turning point where I finally just said, Lord, yes, to everything you've allowed. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't know how you could have done this, how you could have let the enemy steal his life. But I'm going to trust you mm-hmm. even without answers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to come to you with childlike faith like you've asked. Mm-hmm. You know, loss is a mystery. And I heard a pastor say that the level of revelation that God gives us is equal to the level of mystery we're willing to live with. So I had to live with some mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Even if you don't believe in God, you're going to have to live with some mystery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It takes a lot more. A lot more mystery. It takes faith either way. We are not going through this life without loss, confusion, and pain. And we're going to have to allow there to be a little bit of mystery. And so I just picked up the scripture again about the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I said, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, not just in heaven, yeah. Yeah. but here. It says mm-hmm. that in Psalms 27, 13, I said, God, you're close to the brokenhearted in Psalms mm-hmm. 34, 18. And Isaiah 61, where Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah, Jesus, he said, he will bind up the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And I just needed that. Mm-hmm. He said, he'll give a crown of beauty for ashes. And I am telling you, death, loss, any kind of loss, but death and suicide, there are so many dark ashes. It is so dark. Mm-hmm. And I was believing for a crown of beauty that he would make beauty out of ashes. He says, I'll give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Mm-hmm. He'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It was so heavy. So there was a lot of ashes and darkness and heaviness. And Mm -hmm. so I went from being desperate over the years for God to do something good. Don't waste any of this. Something's good. It's got to come out of this. And over time, it was like, I don't even care what you do. We saw whole families, dear people to us, whole families come to the Lord because they went to Life Church for the first time, stepped into church Mm -hmm. because they had something against every church. Not life church, but any church. And they came to the Lord. And then other parts of their family, it just kept growing. Their Mm -hmm. whole family came to the Lord. They are still walking with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I saw it as a scale. And I'm going, Lord, you could have done it a different way. This isn't good enough. You could have Mm -hmm. saved him a different way. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't measure out. I want my boy back. And I'm missing him. I'm missing his wife. I'm missing his children. All that's been stolen. And so I went from that to seeing things that the goodness that God was doing and saying, oh, God, thank you for the privilege. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the privilege of seeing something beautiful or good ever again. Yeah. And so I think we need to be on the lookout for God's goodness mm-hmm. in this fallen world. We need to be on the lookout for his collateral beauty. Um, I pray and ask him all the time for people that I'm praying for, just open their eyes, open their ears. We are all so uniquely made and God knows us so intimately that the Holy Spirit will show people and speak to them in a way that will resonate with them. Mm -hmm. And he'll know, no, it's not my child up there getting my attention. No, it is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He knows how tender my heart is towards Mm -hmm. Levi. And so he gets my attention that way sometimes, Mm -hmm. or my children that are here. Mm -hmm. And so he knows what resonates with us. So I just want to stop you for a second, because that was so much. And I just want to sit in like the sadness for a second, Mm because I feel sad Mm -hmm. hearing that, you know, I have a 13 year old, Amy, I know that you've lost a brother. I've Mm -hmm. faced immense tragedy in my family. And so, you know, even just in this room, we know the sting of loss. And so I know the people on the other side of these speakers know the sting of loss. And it's just, it's heavy. It's so heavy. And I just, I don't know. I just wanted to pause there for a second for the people that are going through some kind of loss or they've faced death or they've known that, that anger, that frustration, that loss of control, that just heartbreak. 
like you said, God's close to the brokenhearted. Uh, but just knowing that even like before you have any answers, just sitting in, like you mentioned, that mystery and that devastation, uh, knowing that God is there too. Mm-hmm. I've felt that and I've known that. And so I just wanted to pause there, mm-hmm. like even in the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's also there. Right. And, you know, now taking us to scripture and to see that mm-hmm. you've surrendered to just knowing God is good all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he really is, even though there's so much hurt and pain. And, mm-hmm. and we know that a greater compounding mystery to me is in my, in our mind, we think, okay, we've, we've suffered enough. This mm-hmm. is it. I don't get yes. to suffer. I don't have to suffer anymore because nobody should have to go through anything mm-hmm. else that's hard after this. Yet that isn't, that's that isn't not my true. story. That's not your story. It's not it's, a lot of people's story. Right. And, um, and I know we don't have hours and hours, um, to cover the depth of all that, that you've walked through. But, um, if you could just sort of highlight a bit more of the story that's filled in these years. Mm -hmm. Well, over the next 14 years from his death, um, we did heal and I watched my children heal and as a family, we healed to the point where there were new people in our life that didn't even know that my Mm. kids had lost a brother or that we'd lost children until God made a time for that to be Mm -hmm. addressed or for me to share that or them Mm -hmm. to share that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Cole, my middle son, he had been 12. uh, No, Noah had been 12. Cole had been 10 and Jesus had been five. So now Cole was the middle child. There were some things about him that were a lot like Levi in that he was a little entertainer and he was very outgoing He did have some ADD issues, um, but he, again, was athletic. He was the left-handed pitcher that we loved to watch him play. And everyone said he would have a scholarship, but he quit his senior year. We noticed issues that happened during teenage years or with ADD type, but he was athletic. He, like Levi, uh, was very artistic he played the guitar. He played the piano with such passion and he would compose little songs and he loved people and he gave the best hugs to this mm-hmm. day. People are saying, I need a cold hug. It was like they were so genuine and beautiful. And um, even as an adult man, he is my only He's the son that would still run up and kiss me on the right of the mouth. Have the same love language I had, you know. And uh, he had a breakup with a little girl, and he mentioned suicide for the first time. He was very depressed. We saw some signs of mental illness, of depression. And he's how old at this point? 18, 17, 18. Um, and then at 18, his best friend, two peas in the pod, they'd been best friends, they were family friends. Um, Around 15, the boy was in a band and he started doing drugs. And as he got heavier into drugs, Cole stepped back and tried to stay in sports and knew that he would end up doing some of the same thing. It was a bad combo there. So he kind of stepped back and that friend ended up of an overdose at 19. Mm -hmm. And the 
by around the same time, the other friend that was encouraging him to stay in sports and kind of, I'm not saying he was a great influence because Cole said he wasn't a believer, but he was a little older than Cole. And anyway, he called him the night before he had decided, we had all decided, he prayed about going off to YWAM. His older brother Noah had gone Mm -hmm. and we thought this would be a good way for him to get away and really figure out what he was doing and what he, who he was. And, and he called his friend to tell him And the next day, his, his friend said he was excited for him. And, um, the next day his friend, um, hung himself. He did the same thing Levi had done. So by the age of 19, he'd had three very dear people. So much trauma. Die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't, if I could go back, I would have had a lot more counseling, you know, but he did go to YWAM and I am telling you, God got a hold of him and slowly healed him of that depression, that isolation. Um, he called me and said, mom, I didn't even know how badly I was hurting, but God's taking me through grief, you know? And, Mm He was so excited. We got to see for a few years the man that God had called him to be. Mm-hmm. He um, went overseas on his DTS. Things happened where people would come back to me and say, I watched Cole with his hands quietly praying over two guys behind their back and weeping because they were on drugs and just weeping. I want that compassion that he has for the lost. Mm-hmm. Um, There was a man in Poland that he met at their very first stop. And then they spent three months going all these different places. But God kept putting that man on his heart. Cole lost his phone. His computer broke. Things happened. He could not get in touch with this man. He was older. He was like 30. Cole was 20. Um, At the very last day, he kept asking people about this guy that he had met this one time. And the very last day, he finally got a hold of him. They planned to meet. And the guy was an hour late. And Cole was sitting there, he said, saying, Lord, why am I here? Why am I in Poland? Why did you bring me here, specifically me here? And just as he was about to leave, the guy comes around the corner. He was bloodied. He'd fallen on his bike. And anyway, they got to talking. And the guy was very hesitant at first. And finally, he opened up and he said, you don't know me. You don't know where I live. You have no way of stopping me. So I'm just going to tell you, nobody knows this, but tonight I'm out of here. I've lost my wife and children. He explained why. And he said, I'm doing it tonight. I will not be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Cole just sat there and listened to him. He said, I can't even imagine what you're going through. But let me tell you a little story of what it is to be left behind. Mm-hmm. And He began to share with him about, I know the anointing was on him because he was talking to, you know, someone older than him with more Mm -hmm. life experience. But he said, if you check out now, I I don't, you know, we know that God ordained you to be the father of those children Mm -hmm. at the very least. And if you check out now, they may never, ever understand the love of the father. You know, it may Mm -hmm. really affect how they see God the rest of their life. Anyway. Mm -hmm. They began to pray and worship. I mean, they were singing and worshiping Mm -hmm. and happy. He goes, do you know, I was just asking God, 
Why am I here in Poland? Why am mm-hmm. I sitting here on my last day? Mm-hmm. Why did you bring me here? I said, he said, God brought me all the way from America yeah. so I could talk to you. Mm-hmm. And it was just very beautiful. And there was one other situation. I'll tell you, we went to see my daughter in New York and there was this homeless gentleman because this is how he was and a lot of the people within that bubble. And we all have been there at seasons where we're just looking for people to talk to about Jesus. And, um, he said that just a trip to the Walmart, he's coming home and saying, mom, there was this guy that I tried to talk to and everything got in the way, but finally I did, or this guy on the airplane. And, and, um, so there was this gentleman in New York he took a walk. He came home. He talked to his sister. He said, I met this man, a homeless guy. He said his name was so-and-so. And his sister said, well, actually, that's not his name. His real name is so-and-so. But he doesn't tell everyone that his real name. And he said, well, I got to share with him. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to pray for him. And years later, after Cole was gone, they, well, the guy kind of disappeared after that. His sister, Jessica, told me. And she said, years later, after Cole was gone, the man found Jessica and said, your brother prayed for me. Your Mm -hmm. brother prayed for me. And God has changed my life. And I'm not on the street anymore. That's why you haven't seen me. Mm -hmm. I'm not home. You know, Mm -hmm. tell your brother, thank you for praying for Mm -hmm. me. So these were the things we cherish and remember. But he came home from that experience and sometimes the exit ramp of that experience, it it needs more help, needs more support. And he went back after, you know, it's like almost a year of evangelizing and being a missionary. He went back, funds dried out. So he thought, okay, if the funds are gone, I need to go home. I want to specifically look into inner healing of addiction and, and mental illness. And so he was looking into that. There was a young girl involved that he had met on the mission field. Maybe I'm supposed to pursue her for, anyway, it was long distance. They broke up. It devastated him. And instead of pressing into Christian community, mm-hmm. what he knew, he was finding lost people that he wanted to help, mm-hmm. but he was hanging out with lost people and not hanging out with, hmm. he wanted to pioneer. He said, mom, I want to pioneer ministry in Oklahoma with my brother who was now doing long-term missions in Ireland or this other girl. Anyway, they broke up. He was devastated. He began to drink at night. All that to say, within two years, he had drank the volumes of alcohol that he had drank. had totally wrecked his body. He was in and out of the hospital with pancreatitis. He had no insurance. So he slipped back into depression. We never got him diagnosed, but at the very least, he was depressed and felt isolated but the alcohol had affected his brain and it affected his liver his pancreas and he was very depressed about that and so we said you need to find a place he left a rehab place so you need to find a place in 30 days he contacted again ywam we felt like they were going to allow him to come and work on the base and we felt like that was a good place for him the people knew him and we were just getting all the details and all the last minute like okays he had Mm -hmm. bought his ticket he was in the hospital for five days went through detox because he had pancreatitis it was Mm -hmm. very painful Mm -hmm. and 
we went up there, we prayed with him. We were excited. His brother was going to write a letter Mm -hmm. to, you know, people that he knew Mm -hmm. about the situation. We felt like he had a plan. And four hours, four or five hours after he got home, he took his life. And I look back and I think, He seemed so calm, and I thought he was calm about he had a plan, and he yeah. was leaving, he was going. Um, he had a girlfriend in his life. Anyway, he took his life. We thought we had all the guns out of the house, and mm. and he had somehow snuck one. All that to say, it, it, we thought, how could this happen how again? How could this happen? We right. did. How many years later was this? 14. 14, 14 years, years later. And so after Cole's death, I was attacked with anger for the very first time in my life. I was a good Baptist girl, and I knew not to be angry at God and that anger wasn't pretty. But when my there were some things about getting family counseling that wasn't working out, not everybody was on board. My husband wasn't totally on board about getting all the family in. Anyway, it triggered me. I became angry. I experienced rage for the first time in my life and it felt good. I was angry at my husband, at people, mm-hmm. at God, and I liked it because it gave me more energy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sad. You could control I was just your anger. Yeah. And it was scary. I think my husband was a little bit scared of me. <laughs> and, and was um, this about six years ago, 10 years ago? This was 2016. Okay. Oh, wow. And I am telling it's you. when he took his life, 2016? Yes. Okay, six years ago, 2016. So I was angry and it didn't last very long, but I was. And my friends and family and God were very patient with me. You know, that whole saying, time heals all wounds. Well, I just don't believe that. The Holy Spirit uses time Mm -hmm. to heal. Mm. Um, It's good. It's not not the time that heals. It's the Holy Spirit. Because you can harbor bitterness and anger over time. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole life. Cynicalness, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cynicism. And so in this perfect time, I had two dear friends. One absolutely adored my children and knew them since they were little. They used to babysit my boys. I remember she was sitting in my chair and she said, I don't understand how this could happen. I just know that God will make Satan pay. Mm. And there was something about that. Mm. You know, vengeance is mine. There there, there was just something about her saying that, that I immediately remembered. Oh, yes. Jesus is my kinsman redeemer. Mm. He will redeem everything that I have lost Mm. and he will make it right. And my midwife was there who would birth these boys she was there and she just said, Grace, Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53, 3. Mm-hmm. He knows your pain. He feels it. He understands it. And he has made a way through. It may be a narrow road through a narrow gate, but he will guide you. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, he's going to have to carry me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on his shoulders. But. Mm-hmm. But somehow God used that and delivered me of that anger and it just lifted off. Like mm-hmm. Isaiah 61 says, come set the captives free. Mm-hmm. It lifted off mm-hmm. that day. I mean, it just happened. So 
as I've said, that grief is really dark and it's sometimes it's a desperate journey. But one of the main things that I know that we all have to do, no matter what in our lives, is take our thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. I've learned that all of my life, but especially during these particular times that are so difficult. And, you know, everything starts with a thought. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts lead to beliefs which lead to desires, then actions or habits. And scripture shows us in Romans 12, 2, about our spiritual battle. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it states, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to mm -hmm. obey Christ. In one version, it says the vain imaginations. And I think, especially for women, mm -hmm. We got a lot of imaginations going on. We got a mm -hmm. lot of fantasies going on. We got a lot of, what did she really mean when she said that? Or mm -hmm. oh, what a, my husband could care less, but mm -hmm. me, I still want it. I, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or mm -hmm. I imagine what if. I, yeah. And so we've got to corral those and take them captive. And I learned this after Levi. I had to continue to do it. And then really after Cole too. And to this day, I'm not very good at it because guess what? We have 40,000. Well, this is what I learned in 2010 from a Carolyn Leaf book. There may be new science on it, but we have 40,000 thoughts a day mm -hmm. to corral. That's <laughs> like impossible. I mean, but we've got to do it mm -hmm. because we're in a battle. And yeah. you're saying this is someone who has been there. I mean, yeah. we are in a battle. If a you battle. don't, if a girl doesn't know she's in a battle, she's already lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you had the loss of two precious, amazing sons. And then if you don't mind me saying, you've also this past year had a battle with cancer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ongoing battle. Yeah. Yeah. And so that part where we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that's our soul and our mind, our will and emotions. They have to be continually worked out. I had people say, oh, well, you just come down here. We're going to pray deliverance and we're just going to get you delivered of that grief. Well, I'm all for any prayer anyone wants to do for me, mm -hmm. but there are some things you work out and yeah. this is what you work out That's every good. day. We've got to take our thoughts captive mm -hmm. so good. and we've got to watch what we put in our brain. Mm -hmm. um, Carolyn Leaf and you know, science has shown that when we continually think a certain way, it becomes a highway in our brain. It's mm -hmm. like a ditch. Mm -hmm. Craig taught on this and talked in his book uh, about it. So did Louis Giglio mm -hmm. in his book. Um, it's like a ditch that we fall into and it's very hard to find an exit. And sometimes it's hard to get out. And the Bible warned us long before about taking our thoughts captive before our brains could even be yeah. imaged. Mm -hmm. And I caught a hold of this back in 2010 and I see it still coming around this teaching a lot from the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, but God is so good. He even tells us what to replace the thoughts with. Okay. Because you can have good thoughts mm -hmm. and you can build neural pathways of good thoughts. So good highways to be on. Right. And so he says in Philippians 1, 12 and 14, what to replace those thoughts with. Finally, brothers, whatever is true 
whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. And sometimes I would just have to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a little girl, my mother used to say, what is bothering you, honey? What is making you upset or sad? Let's look at it. Well, that's not God. That must be the devil. Let's turn around and think about something else. Just turn around and think about something else mm-hmm. that's good because God, he brings peace. Mm-hmm. And I like at the top of that list is what's true. Because yeah. I think true. that's what we have to start with. The right. foundation is truth who is actually a person. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if we don't start with truth, then everything else falls apart. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're reminding yourself and creating these new highways in your brain of what's actually true, what you know to be true of who God is. That's what, the only way you're going to get out of the whys or the right. hows. Um, I want to tell you right here, just real quickly, doing CPR on my two sons and then at literally taking them out of my, out of my hands. Um, it created PTSD Mm -hmm. and it created this loop. And once you go through trauma, sometimes there is a loop Mm -hmm. that plays over and over and over. And it's like, you can't even stop it. And I had, especially with Cole, the visions of doing CPR and it was playing in a loop. And I went to the counselor. We all at times need a counselor. We need professional help. And she suggested, and I, I researched it. I prayed. It wasn't hypnosis. It wasn't anything weird. It wasn't uh, any drugs or anything. It was just a practice called EMDR, and it changed my life. It took that memory, and it kept it where it was playing on a loop in my brain. Mm-hmm. It changed it so that it was a tolerable memory. It's like the Mm. Holy Spirit came in and made it bearable and tolerable. Mm. Did it change the facts? Did it change the memory? No, but the memory wasn't so dark and so vivid in my mind and it didn't play in a loop. Like I'm talking about over and over and over during the day. Mm. So at that point I could take my thoughts captive Yeah, because I was out of that loop. So anyone that's great, sometimes you do have to go and get some help. You're sharing some really good tools and the fact that you've been clinging to the word, obviously you've had community, the body of Christ around you all these years, even from, you you know, being raised in it and then surrounding you through these tragedies, this walking life with the body, pouring into prayer and the word and, and in counseling. So you have the tools, the resources and the, all these equipping things, uh, which everybody needs and you needed so desperately I want to transition for a minute just to say like now, as you're equipping us through this this podcast, you're also, your ministry is to equip those that are uh, dealing with grief. Could you share mm-hmm. with our uh, listeners about what God started? A few years back, we became acquainted with While We're Waiting, which is for bereaved parents. Um, it's a faith-based group of people. They're nationwide. They give free uh, retreats for couples that are bereaved. Mm-hmm. There's just something very, a little bit different about the loss of a child. Sure. Yeah. There needs to be a lot more about loss of a sibling mm-hmm. because that is a very deep grieving. That's someone who should have known you longer than anyone else in your life. Yeah. Right. It's a big hole. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents are my heroes of the faith. I love them dearly. 
but it's a different kind of love that I have from my children. You think of your children every day, the ones that are on earth, you're thinking of them, praying for them, concerned for them, you know. Mm -hmm. And you expect your parents to eventually. Yeah, it's a natural before you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the love is just a different kind of love. Mm -hmm. And so with a child, it is different. So this group is for bereaved parents. Mm -hmm. Is the while you're waiting. While we're waiting. While we're waiting to be reunited in heaven? Okay. Yes. Because it's very important through this healing, you can finally get to a point of how do I honor my child? How do I honor Cole and Levi's life? Mm -hmm. But more importantly, how do I glorify God in this time? Because obviously his purposes and plans, even with ongoing rare cancer that I have right now, Mm -hmm. God has shown great mercy on me and um, it is stable in my body, but it is stable. I have a purpose and a plan right now. And I can either wallow in the pain and what's Mm -hmm. happened, Mm -hmm. or I can think about how I can honor my boys and glorify God. And so this while we're waiting is a program. You can find them online, very solid ministry. And the retreats are beautiful, but they also have support groups. And we have started, they had nothing in Oklahoma. So we have started a while we're waiting support group for grieved parents. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today. Mm -hmm. It is very hard when you're grieving to want to come and meet people. Yeah, sure. But I'm telling you, I wish I'd had it a long time ago. Did it help for you, though, when someone had been through something similar? There is something about looking into the eyes of someone who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Any situation that you've gone through, any kind of affliction or struggle or trial, there's just something about that, that they get it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can be real with them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are doing. Of course, I've spoke at different women's groups. We do a lot of one-on-one. I'm open anytime for one-on-one, you know, talking. There's a mom's group here in the city that we meet and have lunch the first Friday of the month that anyone can contact me and I can tell you about. And it is for mothers that have lost Mm -hmm. uh, children. Those things, um, while we're waiting, has a podcast you can listen to. We'll definitely link that up. Yes. And it is very good. Mm I would like to say, you know, we're going to spend all eternity glorifying God mm-hmm. and magnifying his great love all eternity. Mm-hmm. But now is the time, the only time that we can offer up a sacrifice of praise mm-hmm. while we're hurting, while we're hurting, yeah. in pain or affliction or struggle. Mm-hmm. We want to do that well. Yeah. We want to love well. We want Mm -hmm. to glorify God well Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And so there are things out there. There's resources. There's opportunities for people. Mm -hmm. We grieve, but not without hope. Mm -hmm. You know, mourning is biblical. Lamenting. There's a lot of lamenting. Mm -hmm. It is biblical. Mm -hmm. But we want to do it with hope. And we want to run to God. That's that whole scripture in the valley of the shadow of death i will feel no evil for you are with me mm-hmm. his presence is our treasure his presence is heaven his presence is what we need and yeah. we can either 
go through affliction and run to him, especially grief, run to him in his presence, or we can mourn a different way that leads to unbelief and anger. Mm -hmm. And there is such joy and hope in his presence. Mm -hmm. Yes. Grace, what other resources would you have? Well, first of all, I want to mention Craig's book. As far as our thought life, that was a big part of my healing. Craig's book, Winning the War on Your Mind, mm-hmm. uh, in Your Mind. Uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio mm-hmm. is fantastic. Carolyn Leafs, I haven't read her latest books, but her earlier books really explain the brain, switch mm-hmm. on your brain and clean mm-hmm. up your mental mess. It really explains, and I like to know that stuff. Uh, also, Beth Moore's, an old book that I got after Cole passed is Beth Moore's Praying Scripture, because you can actually mm-hmm. look up what you're needing. Mm-hmm. Lisa Turkers has beautiful devotional that you can actually look something up and find a devotional for that. I think those are very helpful for right. sure to find particular situations. Back in the day after Levi, it was Dreams in the Desert. Um, mm-hmm. But now there are so many fabulous books about grief. Uh, Every Holy Moment, Volume 2, Within the Gates of Heaven by Springer. And then um, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Yeah. And I've imagine, heard that recommended multiple yes, times. And Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Mm-hmm. And that Within the Heaven's Gate, Springer. I found them to be biblically sound. Mm-hmm. Some of the books on heaven are not, but those <laughs> yeah. are. And also, if you can check out on YouTube, Randy Alcorn's sermon, it's C.S. Lewis on heaven, the new earth, God's remedy for the problem of evil and suffering is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very good. And for songs, okay, you can't beat Brandon Lake, and he is my guy. Music, yeah, uh, love it. And he's collaborated with so many people that you can find your style of music, but his voice brings me to tears all the time because I think I've spent so much time worshiping yeah. with his voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, his song Gratitude and yes. he has a new one, Don't Give Up On Me and So yeah. Close that are so, I just, my car is my worship mobile. Mm-hmm. And then there's one by Shane and Shane that's Though You Slay Me. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that has um, desiring or it says on there, but it has John Piper speaking in the middle of the song mm-hmm. about affliction mm-hmm. that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So those would be that's some great. of my, <laughs> there's a that's lot a of lot. resources. Know, we are but. equipped. <laughs> <laughs> so Grace, I feel like we've, I know that we've only scratched the surface into so much depth here and just layer upon layer of not only grief, but also hope and the hope that you're still clinging to. And so I'm sure it's difficult, but as we wrap up, will you just kind of give us a final thought, whatever that you haven't said yet that you really want to say that you want everyone to know? I would say that the the Romans 8.28 scripture was not very helpful. Which is, it, which is, we know that all things work together for the good for those that love God and they're called yeah. according to his purpose. We know that is true. It is true. But if you are with someone that is really struggling, it might not be the time to say it. <laughs> yeah. And so many people said that to me. Mm-hmm. So many people well, tried meaning. to help. They meant mm-hmm. well, but sometimes it would be better just 
just sit and listen or just sit and be quiet, you know. But I really felt like if the next person that said that to me, I was going to slap them. (laughs) There's nothing good out of a 14 year old taking his life. So what truth should they hang on to? It took 18 years for me to realize that, yes, I saw other people's lives being blessed or being changed or God doing other. But that scripture was saying me, too. Mm -hmm. So I laid it down because I just couldn't see any good for me. I saw good for other people. But it was about 18 years after Levi died. I just had this pinprick of hope. This Holy Spirit just brought this ray of hope that in this big tapestry that God sees the whole picture Mm-hmm. The whole tapestry, he lovingly weaved my thread through there and that there is something about the suffering or what I've endured or am enduring mm-hmm. that is good for me. And it's not like, oh, it changes your character and it makes you more compassionate. It's not about me. It's about God. It's mm-hmm. not about my character being better or perseverance or anything more than that it's more it's deeper than that Mm -hmm. and I'm still wrapping my mind around it but I feel like there's an important deep work that I don't even recognize or see clearly yet a holy righteous work in me of knowing God's unfathomable love a revelation he's lavishing on me that resonates so deep in my depths I'm still articulating it. Um, Perhaps there's an elusive good work God is working in me that his love, I just feel so tethered to Jesus that there's nowhere else to go to find hope and peace. Yes. And perhaps that's why when Psalms 91, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We know he never leaves us or forsakes us. Mm -hmm. We know he's close to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. We do not grieve as the world does with no hope. He is with us. So perhaps there are aspects of his presence we can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. And whether that's actual death of a person or any kind of loss or confusion, Mm -hmm. God is there mm-hmm. and his peace is there and his hope is there. And he hates death too. And that's why he conquered it. And yes, yes, yes. he redeemed it. Yeah. Yeah. And one day all things will be fully complete. Yes. And we will know him and see him. Mm-hmm. And I will worship alongside my yes. voice. Yes. Amen. For all eternity, mm-hmm. we will be with Jesus together. Yes. Yes. And while we're waiting, we have his presence. Yes. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Grace. Mm-hmm. This was powerful. All right. Well, as we've already mentioned, we have lots of great stuff linked in the conversation notes, including Grace's resources and some Advent Bible plans and a past episode with someone who did end up choosing life when things got really dark, as well as some other episodes with women who have navigated loss. Guys, if you aren't already subscribed to The Messy Table, you can do that for free in places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. And if you aren't yet connected with us on Instagram, you can find us at The Messy Table Podcast. And finally, as you head back into your day and into the Christmas season, don't forget that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.